Welcome back to the Everyone's Different Podcast. It's your boy T-Jazz. And I'm Young Trench. Today we have a very, very cool guest. We have Tommy G with us. What's up, man? How you guys doing? Terrific. Tommy G, man. One of the most interesting guys on the internet, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I'm happy to have you. you, bro. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yes, sir. How you doing? How's life? It's moving at a million miles per hour, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Just constantly thinking of new ideas, new interesting people to go travel to. Uh, working with YouTube, it's a love-hate relationship, but mm-hmm. life is beautiful, and I wouldn't have it any other yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. So for everybody listening out there, why don't, why don't you give a quick like rundown on exactly what you do on the internet? I make some of the craziest documentaries on YouTube. I'm a boots-on-the-ground journalist that goes to subcultures or wild, reckless, dangerous situations, and I get the inside scoop on what's going on. So it could be we have a, one we're working on, a tent city in Phoenix where a lady has fentanyl in her hand and crystal meth in her hand and smokes it in front of us, and we explore the homeless problem there. To Tonight Whoa. we're dropping one with these crazy gangster dudes that like packing heat, we'll just say it like that, but... Mm-hmm. All the way to things that are not as reckless and dangerous, but I spent uh, a day with Muslims doing Ramadan. I spent a day with Jewish folks doing a holiday. So any sort of subculture, it's interesting group that might be hard to get access to or you might be interested in, I'll be there filming and talking to them. Bro, that is so interesting. Yeah, that's crazy. I love my job. Dude, I, it sounds lit, man. Mm-hmm. How, how did you get started in all this? Like, When did you know like this was a thing for you? I think I've always just been a curious kid. Like I've been fascinated by so much. I've always been a guy that is endlessly reading and it could be, you know, one day I'll be reading about Malcolm X. The next day I'll be reading Dune, a space book where they're going to, you know, so there's not like to me, there's an endless amount of people that are interesting and that have a story to tell. Mm -hmm. And kind of my role is now to help people tell their story. And that's what I go do. Yeah. So you're super into like just different cultures and everything. Yeah, and just how humans, like, dude, I don't even know what I'm doing half the time. How do humans figure out what they want to do in life, and especially the outlaws of the world, the Mm -hmm. people that aren't going to march to the beat of normal, cubicle, you know, buttoned-up society? Yeah. What are these folks thinking? Like, why why is a pimp a pimp, you Mm -hmm. know? Why is a, how does (laughs) someone become homeless? Why does a gangster rapper, we just talked to a guy, we didn't know this until after we left, he did 11 armed robberies when he was 14 years old. What? And I was t- talking to him, his crew, his dad. Like, what leads to... S- no one is born a internet sensation basketball guy or a singer or whatever. But how do we become that? And that's yeah, what I'm kind yeah. of on a quest to find out. Wow, bro. That's so cool. You're a, you're a legend, bro. I just met you, but you're that's legendary. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I'm just trying to, trying to discover the world one step at a time. Yeah, that's crazy. So... You, you've done a couple documentaries out of Milwaukee, correct? Yes. And you have a very big, big documentary out of Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. The biggest um, one yet. Yeah. The biggest one yet. And that's with the, uh, the Kia boys, right? The Kia boys. We got we to gotta explain what yeah. the hell that is. Because there's people that do know <laughs> about the Kia boys, but there's people that have no idea what the hell the Kia boy Kia boys are? Yeah, it's kind of crazy because like everyone, whenever I was mentioning you, everyone kept talking about like the Kia boys. The Kia, I didn't even know what it was, mm-hmm. and I'm from forty minutes away. Yeah, literally. So, what is the Kia boys, and how did uh, explain how that whole thing happened with you getting in touch with them mm-hmm. to you know making this series, and you actually got picked up by a lot of like 
news channels and stuff, correct? Yes. From that from that documentary. Yeah. So here's the kind of the overview. I think teenage boys across the board are known for getting into trouble, known for being rebellious, but they express it in different ways. When I was a kid, we would sneak out. We would light bottle rockets. We had these things called Drano bombs where you'd mix tinfoil and Drano (laughs) into a big two liter Mm -hmm. bottle and then you put it in the middle of a ditch and then you just sit in the bushes all excited waiting for it to go. Mm -hmm. And so you do things to push the limit as a teenage boy. These teenage boys in Milwaukee and also all over the country, what they're doing to push the limit is they are stealing, in particular, Kias and Hyundais at a record rate, 10,000 cars in the last year, which I think comes out to like 300 a day in Milwaukee are stolen. What? And it's by, it's not like, I, I would guess like the same two to 300 kids are doing most of the stealing. And these kids are wild. They mm-hmm. will drive on the wrong side of the road for fun. They'll drive on their high school sidewalk for fun. They'll drive through a park where kids are playing for fun. And so I had an idea. I had a few ideas. Ideas that could change my life was how it was written in a Google Doc. One of them was jumping out of a plane while eating the world's spiciest chip. One of them was first time visiting a strip club, documenting yeah. that experience. One of them was interviewing the Kia boys. And a gentleman that I met while doing the strip club video DM me and said, hey, I want to work with you again. What are what do you what can we collaborate on? And so I sent him a few ideas. He FaceTimed me back. He had a Kia boy right in front of his house. And I went on FaceTime with the Kia boy at his little shiesty up and I said, Hello there. Would you like to meet next Tuesday at three? He said, sure. So at Tuesday at three, we met, we went on the block, we talked to citizens beforehand to kind of get their scoop on how big of an issue this was, and we mm-hmm. found that half the people we talked to either knew someone or had themselves been stolen by the Kia boys. So it is an out of control, massive problem. That is crazy. So you actually went to the block with these guys. Like, did you feel any sort of like danger? Like, (laughs) were you in any danger? Did any crazy shit happen? Like, yeah, I mean, a good chunk of these ideas, there's definitely a little bit of nerves on the car ride there. Like, is this a good idea? Why are we doing this? Yeah. Are we going to be okay? But but you love this shit. I love this shit. But th- this is the common thread. One is we're getting a lot better at screening contacts. So mm-hmm. like most of the time now we get with the OG of an area. He brings us in. We're safe. We're secure. This is one of the first documentaries I ever did. So it was really just these guys want to tell their story. The only thing that I was really concerned about was they them crashing in front of me, like trying to be too wild and yeah. trying to show off and them crashing, mm-hmm. which they actually crashed into the front yard of a house during it. Oh. They also, off camera, we they were a few blocks away. They crashed into a school bus during this video shoot. And so I was worried that someone was either going to get hurt to hype up the video or um, that I, I just wasn't going to get into a car with them because mm-hmm. I thought my chances of dying or getting very injured were yeah. high. Mm-hmm. Wow. Damn. What the fuck? So, <laughs> so wild, I, I assume that these people, like, they were relatively cool to you. Mm-hmm. So you had a good experience with them, I assume. And that's something that I've been wrestling with a little bit. Like, even the guy that did 11 armed robberies. Yeah. He said, he's like, I've, I've been tying people up. Like, we had a really good time mm-hmm. with him there. Yeah. But at the same time, he's someone that I wouldn't want near my children. Yeah. Or I wouldn't want to live next to me. Yeah. So, like, it's kind of wrestling with, 
my job is not to tell people what to think when I cover this stuff. My job is to show people what's going on and I think ask enough tough questions in the right situation to test the morality of some people. Mm-hmm. And these boys, like in some way you feel for them because they're talented, they're funny, they're ambitious, but they also, like they're old enough to know that they're terrorizing the city. Yeah, yeah. Like they are ruining people. How many people without insurance have they stolen the car from mm-hmm. that all of a sudden don't have a ride to work anymore? Uh, how many people have they stolen from that? It, I mean, it really can ruin their life. Yeah. And so it is a difficult thing, I guess. Like the, the, you want to you want to share people's story, but I'm also not there. I'm not there to check them. But I also I'm not there to like, hey guys, sign up for the Kia Boys. I got yeah. a link in my description. If you want to yeah. become one, we have a training program for you. you yeah, know? yeah. You're yeah. in a you're in like a tight situation where it's like you're just trying to document mm-hmm. their lifestyle, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, and you're you're not trying to say it's a good thing, um, but they're also just not necessarily bad people. A lot of them just had the wrong upbringing that kind of creates that type of stuff. A hundred percent, like. I think these kids have been failed on a few different levels. Yeah. I think they've been failed at the home level. I think they've been failed as a society. Like there's just, I think there's like, it's the perfect storm is really what it is. Mm -hmm. And I under operate under the philosophy that the best thing you can do in your life is take personal responsibility. That's that the people I know that are most successful are extremely in control of their destiny. And if they mess up, they can look themselves in the eye and say, I messed up and adjust course. And that's why they keep being successful because they improve on their path. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not, I don't want to rob these kids of personal responsibility, but I do think that, uh, I think a lot of times what it is, is I, I try and put it in my own shoes. I did stuff when I was a kid. It wasn't outrageously illegal like i knew kids doing a lot more crazy stuff like lighting bottle rockets really isn't that wild yeah yeah but it's teenage boys pushing the system in this case i would imagine most of them are teenage boys their mom's probably at work and they have they're just without supervision and so they go run wild and people become desensitized over time so like they're just doing what a few other oh their buddies already done it what's the big deal don't be a pussy just Mm -hmm. are you gonna take around the block or not like and all of a sudden you get peer pressure and stuff that it doesn't feel that bad. Like to them, they're just doing crazy car tricks. Mm-hmm. But if they actually stop and think, it's like, ah, oh, they're ruining someone's life. Yeah. Man, so how old are some of these kids that you were with? I would say the average age of a Kia boy is like 13 to 17. So my question is, is like with you going to, you know, make this documentary and everything, what the hell is going through these kids' minds? <laughs> like when they're, when they're doing this? I don't think a lot. I, I mean, I, I really think that it's very casual to them. Yeah. Like it wasn't holy shit to them. It was holy shit to me. Yeah. Exactly. But to them, it's just like, oh, like this has been done dozens, if not hundreds of times. And they're actually kind of cool for it. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they're the type of kids, like maybe at some schools, like the star quarterback is the one that the cheerleaders are checking out. Yeah. But I think in their school, it's like, damn, that guy stole the Kia and he's yeah. going to take that, me around in it. Yeah. That guy's got 12 cars under his belt. Yeah. He's the top dog. He's going to take school. me to the mall, you know? Yeah. I wow. mean, it, it's kind of like, dude, remember when we were doing shit like just like drive by dunk challenge or like, <laughs> like shit like that. Just dumb well, I mean, shit. As a kid, obviously we did a bunch of dumb it's shit. Like mm-hmm. it's kind of like that though. Like to them, it's nothing like we're, they're just doing some stupid shit, but they don't really think about it like that. Yeah. It's teenage dumb shit. That stems from an extreme environment. So yeah. their dumb shit is on an extreme level. Exactly. 
Bro, that is, that's so crazy. Yeah, it's just a way higher level because they just grew up in a different circumstance. They've seen, I think these kids, like one of the common themes that I really want to show through some of this content is, when I'm, especially when it's gangster stuff, mm-hmm. is I think exposure to violence, I think... This is, I don't think this is popular to talk about, but domestic violence is extremely high in these areas. So they're watching their moms get the shit kicked out of mm-hmm. them from a young age. Mm. They're watching, like they may have seen a dead body by the time they're 10, 11, 12. Yeah. Um, family members have been shot and killed. So I think you become desensitized over time. And when you become desensitized, things aren't as big of a deal. And mm-hmm. that just, it's like, in some ways it's kind of like, duh, this is happening. Like I get it. But other ways I'm still like, how is this happening? Yeah. Like, this is too much. Yeah, so explain the process on how one of these kids steals a car. Don't like are they hot wiring this thing or like what how do they even get you know, like how does that happen? A Kia has an easily manipulatable system where if you just jack down the the drive area and you have a you just have a um I'm not a tool guy contractor, but yeah. you have a screwdriver. You mm. drag it down, and then if you have a USB car port, you can turn the car on with a I think they have an app or something on their phone. And it's very easy to do. They can do it in under a minute, and so under a minute, bro. Yep. They're trained. They're like they trained. Got, they got the gloves this. on, and they're gone. And I actually had an ex girlfriend that got her car stolen one time. Was and it a Kia? Actually, it was a sh- the thing is she was a uh, a small town Wisconsin girl that was very innocent. So like, she ran out. She realized that she left her lunchbox in the house for work. So she ran in to go get her lunchbox, and by the time she came out, her Chevy was gone because wow. she just left it running. Oh, and. So we, we were to like tri- triangulate where it was. Like we saw three different gas stations where like someone started charging your card for blunt wraps and shit. Okay, I guess they're like 39th and Meineke. Mm-hmm. So we started driving up and down every single street, just kind of combing it. Yeah. And we didn't find it. But when the cops called us maybe two hours later, it was dumped near that area and it was completely totaled. Like these guys are just, they will total a car in a couple hours and then just go get another one. It's not like they use it for a few weeks, a few <sighs> days. They joyride it, beat the brakes off of it, and just get another. So do they tend to, like, face repercussions, or they're usually just, like, done, and no one really does anything about it? So I have a friend, a jiu-jitsu friend that's a homicide detective in Milwaukee, and his impression is a kid will steal a car, and before the paperwork is even finished being processed, he's back out. And you you can return a kid to his mom three times in a span of a couple months, and it's a slap on their wrist. Because mm, they're not adults. They're not adults. Yeah. There's got to be a consequence. Yeah. I don't think we should get medieval and do... Cr- but like, if 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 the punishment was noticeable enough, I think things would stop. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing that we've gone wrong with in this country is we've tried to say mass incarceration with really long sentences. That's the answer. That's going to stop it. It hasn't. It, mm-hmm. it hasn't stopped. And I don't think you should be putting a kid behind bars for 10 15 years as a 13 year old that's crazy yeah but what can be done like at a program level or what's a punishment that it sticks with them but doesn't mess with them for the rest of their life Mm -hmm. yeah that would be my question is like what what could be the solution to this problem because it 10 you said ten thousand cars a year Mm -hmm. and that's what you said 300 a day yeah Mm -hmm. bro I'm not saying we bring back... You guys know what they do in Singapore to people that mess up, like they cane them in public? I think that... I would never want that because if you give that power to a government, all has to go into the wrong person's hands and all of a sudden, 
I'm getting caned in the public square, you know, and that's crazy that you never should let the government do that. Mm -hmm. But that's a punishment. Like, do you think any car theft happens in Singapore? Hell no. Dude, if you knew that your naked ass was going to be ripped by a stick, you would never do anything. Like there was an American, a story of an American many, maybe a decade or two ago that I think graffitied or he did some sort of vandalism. And I think he got like 12 whacks with a cane. And it was like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to go mess around in Singapore anymore. Mm-hmm. So you get in trouble in Singapore. They're stripping you naked and beating you with a cane. I don't know if it's your you naked a- ass, but I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I don't think they like let you wear four pa- layers of pants yeah. during it, you know. And they do it like in public, in front of people you're saying? I, I believe so. I don't know if it's like ju- like... I actually have to do my caning research. Yeah. Yeah. But so that's like an, I've, unsp- actually, I've never heard of that. So that sounds crazy. So what's, th- we don't obviously want to go that far as a yeah. society. Mm. No, but what it, I, I will ha- say something like embarrassment is like a really good way of fucking freaking people out from doing yeah. something again. Cause I know like if any of us get embarrassed from some shit, it's some, something that we want to stay away from forever. True. Yeah. So I was thinking maybe trash pickup would be a good one. Cause I don't oh, know if you guys good. have traveled to Milwaukee, but it is, Extru- like littering is one of my biggest pet peeves yeah the amount of trash everywhere is unbelievable yeah. so i would say like carrot and the stick method that hey uh either you get two years of heavy probation or whatever the time is or you get like let's say six months of trash pickup duty and not, it's not only going to be trash pickup but we're also going to teach you financial literacy courses if you want to get introduced to uh mechanical or like um Working with your hands, like trades. Yeah. Where you give you, so it's not only just, hey, you have to pick up trash for 12 hours a day, but if you choose this path, we're also going to show you some other things that can change your life for the long term. I don't know if it's been tried. I don't know if it was, it's been successful. Um, Like some people are saying like, why are you going to reward the criminal? But I think these are kids you just need to redirect. They obviously have potential. Like if you're that smart and reckless and daring, put that towards being an entrepreneur a cage mm. fighter, mm-hmm. a professional chess player, a debater, like whatever it is that's on a high scale, like where it takes some cojones yeah. to do it. Like, th- I feel like the kid just needs to see another path and they just haven't been exposed to it yet. I agree because I feel like that's the case a lot of times where like these people are extremely smart and mm-hmm. they they get the shit that they need done. It's not like they're not motivated either. They'll fucking do what they have to do. They're just putting it into the wrong things constantly. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it's like how could you take that smartness that you have and just do it in a different field that's legal Mm -hmm. and you get in legal money i think that's the magic question like it's not even about people that do crazy criminal acts it's about like there's a lot of people like okay what about a guy that spends eight hours a day playing video games and barely applies himself in life like that's the magic that's the multi multi billion trillion dollar question for everyone is how do you get someone onto the purpose of their life mm-hmm. where they actually care, they actually want to try, and they actually go gun ho in whatever they're doing. Yep. I don't know. Well, yeah. a lot of it comes down to like passion, really. Like I finding what you love. Yeah, exactly. Like if you're passionate about some shit, then you'll go go like full for it. But hundred mm-hmm. percent. If you're not especially it's it's easy with doing some shit like that because like you got all your homies doing it and stuff and Maybe your homies aren't into what you're into, so they're not going to follow you into that path. So sometimes you have to do this shit by yourself, which just could not be nearly as yeah. fun. I would be really curious to know the social validation within a high school like that. Like, So let's just say you go to um, the high school on like 11th and Center mm-hmm. that's really known for Kia Boy activity. When those guys come into the class, I'm really curious like what the rest of their classmates think of that, about yeah. them. Mm. Are they like, this guy's the man? Or are yeah. they like... 
I'm too scared to call this guy out because he might beat the shit out of me or pull yeah. a gun on me. So I'm just not going to say anything. I really wonder what the average person, because it's a small percentage of those boys that are really doing most of this dealing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what do the rest of the class think about them? Have yeah. you have you thought about like trying to get into the school to like document that and figure out or even, you know, talk to some other classmates that might know these guys? Yeah. One of the rules that we've started to make we had another video in St. Louis. It was visiting the most dangerous. It was the highest murder rate city in America. Yep. And we were surrounded by 15 kids with guns that were underage. So we kind of have drawn a line around doing much with minors just because they're too reckless. They're too out of control. Mm. And I don't know, like given that the Kia Boy documentary is so well known in Milwaukee, I don't know if I could talk to a high school administrator and be like, I want to film something at your school, but mm-hmm. don't worry. It's not going to be... Yeah, yeah. Showing how crazy things yeah, are. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I just, I was just wondered if that was like in your brain process of documenting. I would definitely love to hear more opinions because I've, I've gotten to talk to a bunch of people in Milwaukee about it, and I think most people are happy that it's been covered and brought to light because they're like, no one was really giving a shit about this, and now all of a sudden, like that that video was in every uh, email box for every police officer in Milwaukee, even. Um, new hires are starting to have to watch that video. The mayor watched that video. Yeah. I mean, it was widely, widely seen in the city. And so, but the question is like, okay, it's cool that to cause a conversation, but what really is being done? And I feel like the people in Milwaukee, feel, politicians step up, they have this grand statement and then what really changes? Yeah. And is it really the politician's responsibility? Like, it's not like the mayor is stealing the cars, mm. but as a mayor, what do you even do, yeah, like how do you to curb it? That? Yeah. Because even chasing these guys is too dangerous. Mm-hmm. They have rules that if if it's a high speed chase, that they don't chase because the chances of someone getting killed in the chase is so high. Yeah. yeah. So what do you even like? They almost know that they can get away. It's just such a cluster situation, you know. Mm, like yeah. I don't know what. I'm sure there's some innovative ideas. Like maybe maybe this is where technology has to come be the answer. Where like you have spike strips or you have like nets that go around the wheels or w- some way to slow the cars down safely. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the answer is. I'm not an engineer or an yeah. innovator like that, but it yeah, definitely, I- I'll say this. I've lived in Milwaukee for eight years and it's moments like that really lead me to think, cause I'm, I'm about to start having kids. As soon as the second strike for my channel disappeared, uh, me and my wife were like, okay, we feel safe starting to try now. Yeah. Oh, shit, you're married. Yes, yes. I'm married to a wonderful, wonderful woman, and she is the magic behind the scenes. Like, she when I when I got fired from my corporate job to chase all this, I wasn't making much money at all. Yeah. And, we were, and we were getting married eight months after I got fired. So it, was, it could have been very easy for her to say, hey, I need you to get a job right away. We're getting married. We need to raise a family. But instead, she let me chase my dream. So it was real estate and YouTube full time. And now I got to retire her from her job. Hell but, yeah. Um, but there, there were really serious conversations of like, do we have to leave the city? This is getting out of control. And we, there's no way that we want to raise kids in an area that someone's just going to accidentally kill them in a car because they don't care. Yeah. You know? you know? Yeah, man. That's, I'm like just mind blown, bro. I, I wonder about like, how does it work when you you find out okay the mayor is looking at this shit or the police officers how like how does that go because obviously you really can't get in trouble because you're not doing none of the crime i did have detectives visit me really yeah and that was really scary because i'm walking this fine line here where 
I am completely neutral. I don't have any enemies in the world, and I don't especially don't want any enemies on the gangster side, yeah, of, but, or the police oh, for side. For sure, for so, sure. So, uh, first, I had them come to my like. I'm like, because my house is close enough to where shit goes down that I don't want eyes on the front of my house. Yeah. So I'm like, hey, officers, can you come to the back first? And then my, I still had my my uh, my dog Frank was a puppy at the time, and he was like humping one of the uh, detective shoes or something. <laughs> I'm like, oh god. But I said, gentlemen, I'm sure you can understand. I have a Second Amendment right. No, First Amendment right. Second Amendment's gone. Sorry. First Amendment right of free speech. I'm a journalist. This is what I do. And they're like, okay, we understand. Just one question. The only question they wanted me to answer. Do you feel that these boys had any sort of sympathy or uh, remorse about what they were doing? And I said, honestly, no. Mm-hmm. And they're like, thank you. And then they, they left. But that was, that was I, got, I got really paranoid around that time. And I saw some uh, a clip where you guys were talking about social anxiety and stuff like that like yeah. there's been a couple moments living in milwaukee where i'm like am i gonna be in danger of mm-hmm. like of getting shot because luckily um because i'm in the really tough neighborhoods a lot and i feel like the brand is very strong in the hood in milwaukee like the guy like guys will stop me on the street or stop me at the walmart or stop me wherever and 99 percent of the interactions are very very positive yeah mm-hmm. but if it come, if it were to come out, if people even have the impression that I'm talking to police, that gets very dangerous very quickly. Yeah. Mm. And in fact, there was a uh, a news clip posted like kid arrested because of Kia Boy video, but then they showed the mugshot, and I'm like, this kid wasn't even in the video. Yeah. And luckily, all of the the Instagram pages that are really what in the, the streets, hell? they were backing me up because they had a picture of Mr. Ebrake, then they had a picture of this kid that they said was from the video, and yeah. everyone's like, "That's not even the same kid." Mm-hmm. Yeah. But for like that that period, I was really fucking scared because I thought because everyone knows who you are, and like six million views on a video from Milwaukee. Milwaukee doesn't even have six million people. <laughs> like everyone has seen that shit. Especially there, the younger gen. I would say like from. 15 to 40, I, I'm i pretty recognizable. Yeah, yeah. So I got to address the elephant in the room right now. Mm. Your last video is this is the end of this channel. And I know that was because you had two strikes. Mm. So so what was happening there? How did you get these strikes? What's going on? I got one strike for sipping lean in a video. Oh. It actually came from a, a video that never got published. I just it, We were doing a best of 2022 video, and that was one of the clips in it. And I got hit with a strike for something that I never released. So it was on private, that video. Unlisted. Unlisted. Which mm. is where I think I messed up. Mm. Yeah. But the video sure. that I had it on originally was fully monetized and good. So I'm like, oh, this is fine. Yeah. I don't, I, like, it was all green, so I don't see why it was an issue. Mm. They just didn't catch it. The AI or whatever yeah. didn't catch it the first time. Plus, I mean, how many rappers or videos are there of Sipping Lean? There's a lot out there. So I thought I might be okay. Yeah. Second one was a clip from the Kia Boy video. Because I didn't give context that it was a documentary, they said it was instructional theft. So, oh. And that's the clip that dozens and dozens of news organizations got to use with yeah. no issues. But when I put out a short with that clip, I got hit. So I got that news. We landed from my honeymoon in, on January 17th. And as the plane landed, I refreshed my email, second strike. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Like, I have to survive 90 days or my channel is permanently deleted and I can never do YouTube again. And it was the scariest thought ever. Cause I finally have a job that I love. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. just yesterday, the 17th, the storm blew over. I only have one strike to my name, May 24th of next month. Uh, the next strike will disappear. 
because we have a lot of crazy content that we're trying to release. We have a prostitution one in LA where we picked up prostitutes and I interviewed them in the back of the car. I would hang a hundred dollars out of the window, bring them into the car, tell them what we're doing. If they agreed to it, then I would just ask them about their life, ask them about pimps, ask them about this, that. So like there's been a lot of content that we have that I'm af- I've been afraid to upload because I don't want to get my last strike. Yeah. Yeah. Have, have you thought about releasing this content on other platforms that do allow that type of content? Everyone comments Rumble, Rumble, Rumble. But r- to me, Rumble does not have the critical mass of audience. YouTube no. is by far king. Mm-hmm. And there really is no career without YouTube, I don't think. I don't... I'm not going to, my content's not really raunchy, so I'm not going to make an OnlyFans. Like I said, I'm not doing stuff enough on like nudity level that mm-hmm. I'm going to have to make an OnlyFans or that it would make sense. So to me, it's YouTube or die. Yeah. And I was looking at the death of the favorite thing I've ever got to do as a job potentially happening. And yeah. that was really scary. That is wow. extremely scary. Uh, okay, you brought up this prostitution thing, and like I can't <laughs> not hear about this. Okay, so bro, that's so crazy. So you said you put a hundred dollars out the window. So they would come in, they would talk to you, and you obviously paid them for their time. I assume. yeah. So uh, the basic because first I was so nervous because I'm like I don't even know what I'm doing, dude. Like like just the act of like rolling down the window and being like, hey, like I don't even yeah. know how to talk in the right way. Yeah, <laughs> like I wasn't smooth. So then. Like, I'm like, okay, money does talk. So then I'll just hang out. I got rejected a couple of times. I'm Mm -hmm. like, dude, I can't even pick up a prostitute. So then we start hanging the money out the window and just saying, hey, I'm a documentary filmmaker. I can either give you a mask or you can blur your face. Uh, Five, 10 minute conversation, a hundred bucks. What do you think? And Mm -hmm. two out of like nine said yes. And we'll drop that episode in two or three weeks. And I'm really excited about that one. That is crazy. We also got to talk to a pimp and- the first pimp we met in Chicago was not like a heavy-handed, crazy pimp that you would imagine. He was more of just like a kind of bodyguard and friend. Mm-hmm. He wasn't like an enforcer, but this guy that we met was just such a piece of shit. Dude. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah, I'll be bossing these chicks up. And I'm just like, how are you bossing them up if you're stealing all their money, man? And yeah. he's just like, he just... That's, but then, cr- that's just a weird so, thing, bro. But <laughs> guess who taught him the pimping game? His aunt. Really? So it's like... Uh, I remember I read the uh, Iceberg Slim book, one of the most famous pimps of the 1940s. The first paragraph is him getting sexually molested by one of his mom's friends. He's eating the cooch of a woman and he's three years old. What? what? The fuck? So like within the first paragraph, it's like, oh, like I get like now you no one's born a pimp. But it's now that I just read that paragraph of what happened to you when you were three. Yeah, it fucks you it up. It starts to make more sense Bro, why you are the way you are. Mm-hmm. That is yeah, no, some shit like that will put you on a fucked up path. I guess a common theme that I'm realizing in a lot of these, like whether it's talking to homeless people that are addicted to drugs, yeah, um, gangster guys, parenting is so, so, so important. It is. It is. And if, if you do not parent your kids well, you're going to unleash that kid onto the world. Mm-hmm. And obviously... Like there's not there's there's extreme cases like Jeffrey Dahmer did he have a bad childhood it doesn't seem like it was that egregious to, like it doesn't excuse anything he did yeah but the common theme in a lot of these people I'm finding is just really messed up home life yeah for sure well you're a product of like what you grow up in like mm-hmm. that that's really how it is like you were saying like uh, earlier about the kids that would see their mom getting abused or something like that's the people that can sometimes turn into that exact same thing. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah. it's scary because you don't, it, it's something you would never imagine. Like 
these kids don't imagine themselves doing that. They're like, fuck this person that's doing this to my mom or whatever. And that, then they just but become that. when you're that. A, a powerless little five-year-old and yeah. there's a grown man doing this. I just had a situation the other day, a tenant of ours, the first night she moved in, I get a call from the other two tenants in the building. Like, hey, there's been shots fired. Things are going crazy over here. I'm what? like, what? So then the story is, uh, apparently this woman cheated on the man. The man kicks the door in, goes upstairs, breaks all of her shit, drags her out, throws the TVs on the ground, shoots the TVs, threatens her. They're rest like there's footage of them like wrestling on the ground. And then I see her the next day and she's a big black eye and she was in the hospital. Oh my god. I had another tenant that a domestic violence shelter reached out and said, Hey, I, I need you to help place this lady. Uh, she'd actually gotten shot by her boyfriend. And don't worry, I mean, he's going to be away for a long time, so you're not going to have to worry about him, but she needs a place to stay. Can you work with her? And it's like, yeah, I can do, I can do that. But yeah. it is shockingly common. Like, I guess I, I'm really curious to know the percentage of women that are in a situation like that. Yeah. It just seems really high in Milwaukee. No, yeah, it's it's a very horrible thing, too. You know, I, I know women who have been through certain situations like mm-hmm. that, and it's just, it's fucked up, bro. Super fucked up. Should not be happening mm-hmm. at all. But you're you're in the real estate side of things. It sounds like you're talking about tenants over mm-hmm. here. So what do you, what do you got going on with that? That's interesting. Well, there is the the notion that this YouTube could be it, it either could get deleted at any moment, and just like everything in life, there's a chapter to it. There's an arc to it. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't know if people are going to be interested in what I'm doing for six months or six years or sixteen years. And so yeah. I want to prepare. I've done corporate jobs that I hate. I just am preparing myself. That when when YouTube is no longer my calling or my life switches, that I have enough passive income that I'm okay and that I'm free to live a lifestyle of my choosing. And so real estate is something I've been really invested in the last few years. I bought my first property uh, four years ago. I bought a little fourplex. And, nice. Um, and since then, you know, I have a little one portfolio with a partner and then one of my own, my own little portfolio. And so... Um, it's a fun game, but that's also opens your eyes to a lot of like, there's a lot of messed up situations in Milwaukee. Like the amount of houses that are just so fucking terrible. Like mm-hmm. the landlord doesn't do anything. Yeah. Or I, I've been to houses where there's a roof. There's been a known roof leak for four years and the ceiling from the second floor to the first floor. There's like, you could literally see outside of the house because the, they just never fix the roof. And so they just have like a bucket and a tarp on their living room floor. Yeah. Man. Or like people will come up to me like, hey, are you you have any available units? Like my landlord hasn't fixed my sink in three months. So I've seen the shitty landlord side of it, but I've also seen the shitty tenant. Like the mm. first time I ever had to evict somebody, this, these people owe me three months of rent. And I didn't have good boundaries then. I like let people walk over me at the beginning. Yeah. Like I just was trying you're to be a too nice, nice. A nice person. And know? I was like, yeah. I don't want to kick up like, oh my gosh, like you're a family. Like it's a... A, a woman, a boyfriend, and the kid. Like, I don't want them to have to not live here. Yeah. But then I got to a point where you owe me for three months and you're just yanking me around. So I got got them out of there. On their way out, they cover the floor in chicken grease. They open up the windows and put the furnace on high and they start flooding the bathrooms because I got a call from the downstairs neighbor. She's like, landlord, they're flooding they're flooding Bro. my house. And I'm like, what? And then I'm, I'm driving there on 911, like wondering if I can break the door and legally or if I have to let them flood my place and just like... Because I don't know what, like, you have to protect, you yeah. have to respect their rights. So, yeah, like, 100%. I don't know what I was allowed to do, but luckily that guy opened the door and he was just, like, smirking in the hallway. And I'm just like, what a weak little pussy. Like, yeah. I felt bad for him. Like, part of me wanted to, like, just slap him down the stairs, but, like, what is that going to accomplish? Yeah. yeah. 
But um, so are you are you not running background checks on your tenants? So these were people. That's so. This is a, a key lesson I've learned in real estate. Is I don't I don't like to inherit anybody. So these were people that I bought the building. They were already there. Oh, okay. So now I've learned I like to buy vacant buildings so I can place everyone that goes in there because then my history for success is going to be my track record is going to be really good. Yeah. When I inherit people, it's like 50-50. Like we inherited another lady. Um, she went crazy on the downstairs neighbor. There was like a seven minute long video where she's down like punching the door and I'm going to beat your ass. And she's going all crazy. <laughs> she spit on the tenant. And I have what? to call her the next day. I'm like, hey, so-and-so, like, you know what? I'm calling you. And she's like, oh, uh, I don't know. And I'm like, yeah, you spit on so-and-so. You got to go. And she's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, dude, like, you can't spit on people. Like, yeah. if someone spit on you and I didn't evict them, what would you think of me as a landlord? You think I didn't have, like, you wouldn't think I'm a good guy or I can control the property. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, speaking of Kia Boys, um, the second place I ever bought, I inherited these people and- one of the sons was a Kia boy. Mm. So that place got drive-by shot three nights in a row in the summer. And I had to go there. Like the mom had a gun on her. There's like commotion. And I have to be like, guys, like this is out of control. Like you got to get out of here. I'm evicting you. And then like there's beefs between the upstairs neighbor and the downstairs neighbor. Like I've had some really scary and sad experiences in this. So I've just learned buy it vacant, fix it up really nice. Like when mm -hmm. we put it on Zillow or Facebook, people are like, holy shit, like this is, this is on 23rd and Burleigh or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah, it is. And so, because then we know we're going to get long-term people good and that's tenants. really what we want to do. Good tenants. Good, yeah. good people and long-term. And they know that we care because mm -hmm. there's a lot of people that are just like, oh, I'm an out-of-state investor. I just want my certain 10% a year and whatever. And I'll send a shitty maintenance man once a year to do nothing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I mean, you're, you're very smart for getting into real estate and thinking about the long term shit. I know I have, I think I have an eight unit apartment building that I own uh, in, in Kenosha, nice. right here mm -hmm. in Kenosha. And then I have, do you rent to college kids? Um, honestly, I, I think we might, we might have one like girl in there that is a college student possibly. You let um, someone manage it, obviously. Yeah, so actually I have my mom help me manage. Nice. You know, it puts a little bit of money in her pocket mm -hmm. and, uh, and and she's very organized and, and, you know, she, yeah, it makes a little extra money. So Because yeah. you're not supposed to say discriminate, but there's two types of people I won't rent to. It's thugs and college kids. And mm. maybe I'll switch it up, but I feel like, uh, and maybe discriminate isn't the right word, but like I've had it where like, totally obvious gangster guys are walking the property like they with like the beeper phones and like they're calling them oh this is gonna be our spot and i'm like oh no like i've gotten better <laughs> at screening people but then i also yeah. like seeing how college kids live like i don't want my floors to be sticky as hell and mm. have to replace them every single year yeah so i feel like those are the two types of people that i'm like ah probably not worth the trouble mm -hmm. yeah yeah no we just you know we run a normal background check we look at people's records we look at you know their past records if they've ever been evicted from you know a property or something like if someone's gotten evicted multiple times like no way you're not you're not coming no in chance. here yeah. no no chance you're signing a lease to live in my building no yeah. way um but yeah so real estate is a great thing to get into bro for long term like i i got a couple properties like i said the eight unit i own a condo nice um paid it off and then i have someone in that condo right now that is 
obviously paying rent, but that rent is paying off my mom's mortgage because the condo's paid off already. Nice. So my mom has no house payment. Isn't it fun getting all these little streams on the board and just seeing, bro. like, it's a game. Life is a game. It's dude. like Hell Monopoly, yeah. bro, yes. in real life. Mm-hmm. Monopoly in real life, but it's it's fun, and, you know, I'm, I'm happy I got into it because, you know, by the time I'm 40, if I have... 10 to 8 units that are paid off by the time I'm 40. That's retirement. I'm cash flowing a hundred grand plus a month Mm -hmm. just off, you know, just by starting now. So Mm -hmm. good for you for uh, getting into that, bro. Yeah, and it's good because like you said, bro, you don't even, that third strike or some shit, you never know. Like YouTube's not guaranteed forever. Like this shit could end in six months. It Mm -hmm. could end in Forty years. Who knows what the so hell is going to happen? So it is. It is always smart to have like a backup plan. Like even if you think about some shit like, like TikTok. Like if that shit got closed down, who knows what some of these kids are going to do? So it's always good to have yeah. something like real estate to keep you financially stable. Hundred percent. Yeah, that's weird with the TikTok shit. How they keep saying that it might get banned. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've been seeing that. Yeah, it seems um, like they cause a big hoobla and then nothing happens. And yeah, then, then like exactly. three months later, the story resurfaces and then nothing happens. Exactly. But my thing is, is I'm curious to see, let, let's say they do ban it, right? What's going to happen to all of the people that blew up on TikTok that are, you know, making money off TikTok brand deals and stuff, but they don't necessarily have that same following on the other platforms. Yeah, it's interesting because it could be something similar to like, remember when Vine shut down, there was a lot of Viners that completely disappeared. And then there was the people like Logan Paul, David Dobrik that just kept going. They just switched platforms and were fucking massive and just absolutely ran YouTube. It could be like that if TikTok were to shut down. Yeah. I think overall, TikTok is not designed for longevity. I think no. long-form content, like podcasts and video and YouTube videos, are where you can actually build a relationship, build a good following. I don't think anyone that's just like doing the trendy whatever dance for 15 seconds, that stuff doesn't last. So I think like even some of the biggest TikTok stars, like a guy, um, let's say Bryce Hall, blew up very quickly. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to sustain doing mm-hmm. something that's not doesn't have any depth to it. Yeah. And so I think if TikTok disappeared, there'd be a good amount of resourceful entrepreneurial people that would transfer their following and go on to YouTube and be completely mm-hmm. fine. But then there's mm-hmm. a lot that would just disappear. Well, also, a lot of that comes yeah. down to if you're like actually a really talented content creator and you could make the switch over. <laughs> you're, <I> good. <laughs> you're good. You're good. You're <laughs> good. But I don't I don't know if everyone's really capable of making that switch. That's why some yeah. some people it never worked for. Yeah, no, for sure. So we've talked a lot about the Milwaukee area. Hmm. Um are you from Milwaukee or where are you born and raised? Like where did this The happen? mean streets of Crystal Lake, Illinois. Crystal hmm. Lake, Illinois. Yeah. Mean no street. shit. Yeah. It's like a suburb an hour north of Chicago. Okay. Yeah, I'm familiar with it. Yeah. Okay, how was it growing up there? Wonderful. I mean, I got to have a cool childhood where I was running around in the woods with into tree forts and catching snapping turtles and riding my bike all the way around. And we had a lot of free reign as kids. Like, it was kind of a childhood where it was like, oh, when we ring the bell, you come home for dinner mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Hell yeah. So yeah. Mine was, my, if my if I heard my pops hit that whistle, he was like, whoop, whoop. I better get my ass home for dinner. I, d- I just look for the street lights, man. Them <laughs> John's turn on, you're inside. How old are you guys? 23 i'm 23 okay how old are you You 29 29 okay because i feel like we're kind of in that last generation that had the best of both worlds growing up where we still had an outside life where we got to do stuff as kids 
we like we weren't we didn't have a tablet in our hands yep. when we were no. kids. No tablet. And but we also get to experience the power of understanding and using the internet too. So I'm I I want my kid to grow up kind of like a nineties kid. Mm-hmm. Same. Well, Same, bro. Yeah. Gotta be outside, bro. Gotta be outside. Like I just think when we were kids, I don't know if for you, but it, for me it was, you know, skateboarding, biking, scootering, gymnastics. Gymna- I, hear. I did gymnastics, mm-hmm. you know, all tackle football in the mm-hmm. backyard. You know what I'm saying? We might even have played tackle football on the street. Bro, you know what I'm saying? Like for real. I used to have some of the hardest hoop sessions <laughs> I bet someone would be leaving my house after they got punched in the face yeah. because we were grinding just, out there a good way to explain it was like literally just like exploring bro mm-hmm. like like the outdoors and really just being outside and you know I, I i don't know how it is as a kid anymore like to do kids go and you know ring their buddy's doorbell and say hey is so-and-so home can we go do something like why did you do that you could, you could just text them it's so different, Which is crazy because I it's didn't, I, I was like late on this, but I didn't even have a phone until I was a freshman in high school. Yeah, Were I, your parents I, relatively strict for your upbringing, would you say? No, just broke. Mm. <laughs> it wasn't strict. It just, I, we didn't have a lot of money, so I never got a phone until it was like. How old were you when you got your first phone? Me? I pr- Dude. You know what's funny as hell? My dad had a little like Motorola swipe up phone where you just flip it up. He would get he would let me take his phone to school probably when I was in like seventh or eighth grade. That's mm. when like having a phone started popping off. Like yeah. c- just me being able to communicate with my mom, you know, mm. like, hey, I'm going here, I'm doing this after school. So he would give me his little flip phone and I thought it was the coolest shit in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never really ha- got my own phone until probably like eighth grade but you know we had ipods in middle school bro yeah. we, we were on fucking kick yep you know messaging chicks on kick bro yeah, like yeah. in middle school that, that's what it was on the ipod so but to get a phone probably like seventh or eighth grade i got my first phone my parents were kind of strict i would say like christian parents were mm. i don't know if i was a sophomore or a freshman when i got a phone but it was definitely more of like it was it was a little more controlled. Like I remember even the movies I could go to, and I was like in seventh grade. Like my mom would like reference a website. Like, is this a good movie to send my kid to? Mm. And, you know, which yeah. all, the if thing, it's R, you're not going. Yeah. yeah, and and the thing I realized like there's a lot of things that I fought against as a kid, but like ninety nine percent of the stuff that my parents did, I'm like, oh, I'm now that I'm older, I'm like, I'm glad you guys so grateful. They, yeah. Like, why is it so tough when you're a kid to realize know. that your parents actually like yeah. were watching out for you and are wiser than you because they've lived a life? There's something about when you're a kid, you're always just going to think your parents are hating, bro. Like it doesn't yeah. matter. Like you would want to do some shit. They'd say no. And you're just like, man. And it's like, what's the reason why? And it's like, no means no, you know? And I'm just mm-hmm. like, I just couldn't comprehend that. Dude, how many times do you think our parents wanted to kill us? Because they were just so frustrated by us, like, lecturing them or, like, ex- acting like we knew and we're explaining oh, things to them. Oh, well, my God. Yeah, and I used to have anger problems, too. So. And it, Me, too. <laughs> and it's funny because, like, they went through it already, yet for some reason we we'll can't never trust them. Like, anything that we were going to do as kids, they did, but 30 times yeah. crazier because they... They were really outside. Like we think we oh, were outside sure. doing stuff. For sure, and it's they like, were doing stuff. They were doing shit, and it's like you know, my pops always kept it real with me, bro, about anything in life. 
pops always kept it real and then you know moms just have that mom instinct Mm -hmm. like they might say like hey you shouldn't be hanging around so and so and you might not know like why they can sniff it from a mile away though and some crazy shit happens and you're like shit i should have listened to my mom i told you justin was no good Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah but um no i mean i'm me personally i'm a very big family person Mm. um still live in kenosha all my family's here i probably could have been moved to la you know wherever years ago but all my family's here so i feel like yeah we got a lot of shit going on but it's also a responsibility of mine to make sure that my family's straight so i mean being in milwaukee you're not too far from your family right no so i'm a i'm a triplet and there's only Wait, three of us. You're a triplet? Yes, yes. But we don't look alike. We're very, we're incredibly different. Okay. Whoa. My sister is out in Florida, but she's moving to Japan uh, in a year or a few months with her military husband. She just got out of the military. Wow. My brother's out in- Shout out to her. Yeah, she's a badass. Uh, my brother Ben is out in uh, Seattle. He's a programmer for Amazon, extremely gifted on computers. Wow. And so, and then my mom is in Woodstock, Illinois, with my stepdad, and okay. so they they're doing wonderful. And um, but it is, I do as I get older, I wish I had more of a a base because when I was growing up, I had a really heavy, uh, a good good strong family relationship on my pop side. But when my pop passed away, like the fabric that kept that family together unraveled, mm. and so it just it's never been the same since he's passed. Yeah. And rest in peace, man. Yeah, he was a, he was a great man. I would love to share this journey with him. And but it does make me think as I start to have kids, like I want someone, I want more people close by. That's a weird element of the modern world that you're kind of just. We're, it's amazing that you can leave your home and leave the nest to go do very interesting things with your life, but then. Being like the simple life, I'm realizing there's so many elements of that are wonderful. Like being able to be close to grandma and grandpa, be able to go walk in the woods with your dog. Like those, all those little things is what most of life is made up of. Like the whole highlight reel that you see on Instagram, that's a small little tiny chunk, but the rest of it is cooking in the kitchen with your yeah. wife or walking your puppy or, you know, that's what yeah. life is. hundred percent, bro. hundred percent. Damn. See, that's crazy. Cause like I grew up with like in terms of family being close. I have a, my dad was never not like really around like I'll talk to him rarely like every couple of years I'll see him or something so it's so weird because I have family that's super close my brothers and sisters all lived probably like seven minutes away from my house mm-hmm. I've seen my brothers and sisters probably two times in the matter of like the last eight years wow so it's yeah. so weird because you could be close to people and they could just not even actually be there which is super weird yeah i don't know if this is a, a man thing but have you guys realized as you've gotten older that if you want people in your life you have to be the one to initiate to reach, reach out. out otherwise yeah. like there's people that i know love me but if i don't call their phone i just am not going to get a call from them mm-hmm. yeah. well and that's interesting too because i think a lot of times they might feel like they're bothering you too because like you ever like not want to reach out to someone because you're just like maybe they just don't care to hear no i just call them all the time <laughs> okay see so yeah, i'm like a type of person i don't really want to annoy people so i'm and like yeah. just waste their time yeah. so i don't reach out to people that's yeah that's a good topic bro it's you know um family it, for me it's i have so much family all over chicago area just everywhere bro north dakota montana some in cali some in florida some in 
you know, just all over Colorado, random mm-hmm. places. And it's hard for me to stay in touch with every single family member. But that's why I kind of have like a family Facebook page where it's only family. You know, I, I wake up every day, bro, and I do this shit for my my whole family because they're all rooting for me, bro. I see on Facebook, as soon as I post something, two, three shares. Mm-hmm. Always my aunts and uncles that I never see sharing my shit, trying to post it out there. And like, I know all these people love me, but it's just so, we get so busy with everything we're doing. I have this Facebook page to post on there so they can stay updated, you mm-hmm. know, with, with my life and everything. And if if I didn't have that, they probably wouldn't have a clue. But <laughs> shout, shout out to Facebook. For real. <laughs> shout out Mark Zuck. Holding <laughs> it down over there. Yes, sir. <laughs> so I have a question about when you were in high school. Mm-hmm. Did you know that you were going to be doing any of this and what are some of your classmates thinking about what you're doing now or like was it was there any like hate towards the shit you were doing from people that you knew or were close to in your hometown or how does that work one is i've always been an adventurous kid so i'm like i think i could have gone in a lot of directions in a career i could have been in a circus i could have done vice media i could have done a lot of different things but i think it was obvious that i just wasn't going to be in a cubicle mm-hmm. i just couldn't i couldn't do it uh as far as people back home i don't know there's not a lot of people from high school i still am in touch with and the people that i am are very encouraging and kind and and you know tell me to keep going on the path so Good. i think overall the feedback of the channel is extremely positive i don't think i do anything that's that controversial i'm not mm-hmm. doing like so so because of that um Things are pretty well received and the environment is very like much of a keep going. You got this type of mm. feel. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we're a little bit different because I blew up in high school. Did You, you didn't mm. blow up really. In I high blew school. up when I was 29. Like I blew up eight like months last ago. Year, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So and I really started launching videos in, in after I left college even. So like I was known as kind of a rapper in college, but I wasn't. Like, well, you were making music. Yeah, I mean, it's not the stuff that you're going to be bumping in your car. I mean, it's okay, but I wasn't the next Drake or Little Dirk, you know? Okay. Yeah. But I started making prank videos while I was still working a corporate sales job. And then I switched to documentaries, and that's been this big rise. So everyone that's in my life, since things have really started to got big, it's, it hasn't changed at all. It's yeah. the people that I know from my jiu-jitsu world and the real estate world and my friends in Milwaukee and my family. So Hell yeah. That's what's up. So the jujitsu shit, I, when we were talking yesterday over text message, you were saying you had to go teach a class? Yeah, tonight I teach Takedown Tuesdays at Wanderlei Jiu-Jitsu. So I've wrestled since I was 10 all the way through college. And uh, that's right. I, so I, I'm, takedowns are my specialty, especially for around jujitsu guys. And so I can teach people how to take a body, a moving body that's resistant, down to the ground. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I would have not known that about you if mm-hmm. you would have never texted me that. Yes. And then wrestling and jujitsu is the perfect marriage because wrestling is how to take someone down and control them on the ground. Mm-hmm. Jiu-jitsu is how to finish them on the ground. Mm-hmm. So they, they go hand in hand as far as a like a fighting style. And yeah, you've yeah. been doing that for how long? Jiu-jitsu five-ish years and wrestling almost 19, 20 years now. Really? So yeah. were you good at wrestling, like in school and stuff? I was pretty good. I, I took third in the, or uh, fourth in the state okay. in Illinois, and then I, I wrestled a high-level D3. So I, um, like my my senior year, I beat the national champ twice. I beat the fifth and sixth place guy in the nation. 
So, I mean, I was a high, like, elite D3 guy. That's how mm-hmm. I would put it. Mm-hmm. Where did you go to college? Whitewater. Whitewater? Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. No cool. shit. Yeah. You wrestled up there? Yeah. That's lit. Yeah. Good it was, for you. I love it. And that's that was what made college worth it. Most of college was nonsense. Mm-hmm. There's, not, there's not really, like, maybe 5% of the classes I took there was, like, this is directly affecting what I'm doing right now or it's impacting me. But wrestling in college made it all worth it because the discipline of having to, hey, you know, you're up 14 pounds. You got to cut that every week for the entire season and yo-yo mm-hmm. all the way through. And you're, and also just the focus. Like there was a deep belief on my team that we were going to be team national champs and then everyone was shooting to be an individual national champ. And so like we took second, third, and fourth in the nation my first three years as a team. Wow. And so we were so close to that national title. And, yeah. and that would be something like, like going to the wrestling room, lights are dim. I just put the, my, my iPhone on the speakers and I'm listening to Gangster Rap and I'm just jump roping <laughs> while facing like the wall of national champions and just yeah. being like, I'm going to be on that mm-hmm. wall. You That's know? what's up, bro. Yeah. That's that motivation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Pushing yeah. cars. That was one of my favorite workouts. I'd get a buddy, go to an empty car lot or a street and we'd push cars. Pop that bitch in neutral. Yeah, you used to do that, right? I used to do that too. That built the power in those legs, you yeah. know? Yep, that's how we got dunking, bro. I'm only 5'9", but could dunk on 10 feet. Yeah. Somehow, I did all that car pushing. I only have a 4-inch vertical. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we uh, we actually, we would push it, but we would also, like, push it backwards, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. We'd re- like reverse it, lean up. Yep. yep, and that would really hit the quads, bro. Yes. Different type of workout. Yeah, yep. Different. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, what's good about those, too, is it's all, like, injury prevention, bro. When you reverse that shit. It's all injury prevention. The knees over toes guy is big on that guy. I don't yes. know if you're familiar with him. Bro, what the f- I'm really good friends with Ben, so I, that's what I've been doing. Yeah. that's He's kind of revolutionized workouts in that way. It's really cool. It's it's insane, bro. And it's cool how he, like his mom, you know, she might be, I don't know how old she is. Mm-hmm. I, I could be wrong. She could be 80-something or 90-something, 70-something. I have no idea. But he's got his mom out here doing these workouts like, squatting and just really showing that like these workouts can really change a human's life Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like no matter what your age is or the condition you're in i just saw a statistic that 70 percent of americans are overweight or obese that wouldn't surprise me that blows my mind and that also is so sad because like one no one really feels like i know we're in like a everyone's beautiful stage where you can be 400 pounds. Oh my gosh, you're so beautiful. You're a model. Like, okay, we know what, how people really feel, but the not even having the own joy of experiencing what your body is capable of. Yeah. Mm. Is you're robbing yourself. And then like, that's, that's one thing that sticks really close to home because, uh, my pop passed away young. I was a senior in high school and he was, he was big the entire time I knew him in my Mm. life. Very big. And, like there's a lot of stuff that he's missing because of his weight. And so like, that's maybe something that's ingrained into me of like being really, really strict with my health and diet. And, mm-hmm. but also like when we, we would play catch in the backyard, he would throw the ball and I'd run for it, but it wasn't, I wasn't throwing him any routes. You know what yeah. I mean? And it's mm-hmm. not, I'm not complaining about my childhood. He was a fantastic dad. No, but like, and I love you, him so much. When you become a dad, you would like to be able to be super active with your kid. Yeah. And so I just feel for anyone that, doesn't get to enjoy their own body mm-hmm. mm. yeah and you, you know it's like back to that model thing there are they're doing like the you know the plus size models nowadays and my thing is like you know what if you want to go do that shit and you want to enjoy and you want to love your body for that size and you don't 
really necessarily care about the health things, then go ahead. If that's what you enjoy sure. to do, love yourself no matter what size you are, what skin color you are, whatever. Mm-hmm. Just go enjoy it. Cause I know I actually know a lot of uh, female models who are in the plus size model really? industry. Yeah, yeah, mm. for sure. And it's like, bro, they're the happiest people ever. They don't care about what they look like. They, they I love definitely themselves. think people should be happy in their own skin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it should feel comfortable. I guess it's the to me when it comes to a rub is when we act like it's healthy, and I think that's one yeah. thing that people are trying mm. to push nowadays. For sure, you can be as big as you want and enjoy yourself. Please do. But don't tell me it's healthy. Mm-hmm. That's where I got to. And obviously, mm. the, uh, there's lots of different body shapes. So you can be thicker and still be a healthy person. Yeah. But I'm saying for like sure. if you're 600 pounds, there's no way you're going to explain it to me that you're healthy. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I get what I mean, you're saying. Yeah, no, it's valid. <laughs> it's very valid. Because, <laughs> I mean, I I think there's like a big agenda in the world right now where people are like, no matter what, like, you're no i'm not saying you're not amazing because everyone's fucking amazing in their own way it's just like you can't push on to me that like it's good to be like that because i i want to be healthy at the i want to live as long as i'm trying to live to 180 like straight up so like let's get it we trying to live to a thousand like at some point i will put my fucking brain into a robot if that's an option i'm i'm going for as many generations as I possibly can. Brain into the robot. You're a brave soul. I wouldn't sign up for that at all. Uh, I would. You're a brave soul. You've been to Old Block, buddy. I, you, you're <laughs> yeah, we got to talk about that, bro. So you you actually went to Old Block, mm-hmm. Chicago. That is a, you know, it's an interesting area. An Chicago. infamous area. An yeah. infamous area. Yeah. 100%. How was that experience? Well, first of all, one thing that was nerve-wracking about it was mo- all these videos we do, I talked to the contacts. I talked to them three or four times on FaceTime. I talked to them on the phone. I get a feeling of who they are and whether we're going to be in good hands. My friend Brandon Buckingham got these contacts. So I had, I was walking in blind. Mm-hmm. And then the energy in the air, well, you can kind of feel like you can feel it when shit's about to pop off. So yeah. like right like when we got tension. in there, ooh, like a security guard was like threatening to fight like a 16 year old girl that was in a car threatening to like run someone over. Like it was just, was, I just felt like, and everyone was outside. So I'm just like, and then, you know, we're getting, I'm directionally challenged. So like we're getting led deeper and deeper into this place. I'm like, I'm going to be lost, dude. And I don't like that. Like I need to know where to exit. Like if shit hits the fan, what, what door am I hitting to get mm-hmm. the hell out of here? Yeah. But it ended up being a really good experience, and that's that was the final installment of my Hella Sus Bar series I used to do where I would go to the hood and do homo bars because I always think there's this funny dynamic of going to very masculine, macho places yeah, and then saying sus stuff. Like, yeah. it just is so funny Bro. to me. <laughs> that's crazy. What, what did they say when you hit some, some funny bars over there? What Laughed, and then all of a sudden we're just like, hell no, you know? Yeah. yeah. That's funny, but I think more so laughing. Like they, they were, they were kids, and I feel like they were having a good time. With yeah. It. Well, I think it's it's also like a strong generational thing. Like if you get people that are like our age doing that shit, it's cool. But like you, you find like the right thug that's like forty, forty five. They're gonna be like, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> get away. From yeah, but at our age, I don't know. We kind of like grew up like video games and shit like that. Like I, anything like that, everyone's just like. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what exactly did you do at O Block? We walked in. Um, we were dressed like ridiculous rappers. I think I had a do-rag and then Brandon Buckingham had like a cheetah print suit on. 
uh, like a tracksuit. And okay. <laughs> we were, it was partially like kind of interviewing them, but then also like, and they were spitting bars and then we're like, okay, we got to go next. And then we'd say something just way off the wall and they'd be like, whoa, who yeah. are these guys? You know? Okay. So that, the time you went, it wasn't, I wasn't doing documentaries at that point. I was still, I did prank videos for four years on YouTube. Okay. Looking back, I wish I could have done a more serious documentary, but now it's been done a couple of times and yeah. I like to tr- keep things fresh. Yeah. But, um, got some balls, buddy. Yeah, that was that was one of the things when we got back in the car. I was like, okay, very good. Yeah. Let's go home. I yeah. had I only had one experience in O Block in my entire life and I went there I, I was I think I was like 15 and it was like on some stupid shit where I was like, "Oh, I'm a tourist. I obviously you're not supposed to fucking do that. This is a very serious place and you should, You had no connections going in there? No, you should never take it yeah, in that way. That's rule number ne- 1. Never. And I would I think it's disrespectful. I'd never would do that again, but yeah. I just remember going there and I was like, "Shit, I I got to take a picture. I'm like in O Block. I got to do this." I remember getting stopped by the police. The police were like, you don't look like you should be here right now. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? And I was just like, I mean, I just kind of wanted to see what was happening. <laughs> and they were like, well, we suggest that you leave because the house, like, literally right behind you right now, two people were just killed six minutes ago. So you what? should so you should get the fuck out of here. And I was like, a cop told you that? Yeah. And she was like, you should leave. You don't look like you're supposed to be here. And I was like, oh, okay. She helped. <laughs> she was definitely... Yeah, that, she no, she was. She, she might have saved your life. She was bro. genuinely just like, well, bro, nah, it ain't, it ain't for you. You're a little white to be here, buddy. And I was like, oh, there are some right. places you cannot go without an inside connection. Like one place that we're looking into is going to Brazil mm. in July, and like getting connections into the favelas. Because I'm not walking in there without one. I don't know the language, so I can't tell mm. what people. Like, oh, like when people are chirping, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Yeah. But that's like number one in all these videos that are dangerous that we've done is have a good contact that knows the area, well-respected, not someone that just beefed with someone last night and you have to inherit their beef and get drive-by the next day. Mm. So it definitely, you got to do your homework. But as a dumb 15-year-old, you just think, oh, I'm just going to go. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, I also wanted to ask you... um, what are your future plans? Because you could still be going to like so many different things. You could go to festivals, document stuff like that. You can go to fucking like Africa. You can see like poverty stricken places mm-hmm. and like really get to know other stories. So what's your future plans? Where do you want to go? There's endless yeah. things you could do, bro. It's so crazy. Mm-hmm. Number one is to be known as one of the undeniable documentary platforms on YouTube. The guy that will go boots on the ground anywhere, anytime, anybody. Mm-hmm. That's important to me. But then uh, I really want to raise the element of journalism. Like I think one thing we have really going well in the channel is our ability to go places that are crazy. But I still need to like our storytelling are like just the process. We've only been doing documentaries for 10 months. So I just really want to become really proficient in the art of that. And so that's something that we're really working on. But as far as where, um, there's like, for instance, we we always work on uh, ideas by location. So like we're going to have a Miami trip. So, okay, we're trying to work on a piece with Kodak. We're trying to work on a piece with BLP Kosher. We're trying to work on a piece with a Miami Playboy on a yacht. Mm -hmm. Uh, We want to go... Uh, to a reservation we want to like last time we were there we did snake hunting we caught a python so like 
there's endless amounts of things to cover. And I'm just looking for interesting people, interesting stories, and also hard to access things. Like if 50 other people can cover the story, it's probably yeah. not one that I want to cover. Yeah. I want to go to the spot that are like, there's an element of how did you get in there? Mm. That's kind of, I think, part of the brand. Like, would you do some yes. shit where you went to Mexico or something and did something with like, oh, you're, you've already considered We got this? guns pulled up. We got raided by Mexican police, dude. We were interviewing this guy named Hostage and they were suspected of selling drugs. Mm-hmm. And so three Mexican police with masks came in and had us get on the ground and they deleted okay. our camera footage and they... That was the, probably the scariest moment we've had yet. But And then wow. we want to be careful because, like, okay, like this would be a dream and a nightmare at the same time. If El Chapo said, hey, man, I love your work. Yeah. I want you to come to my house and interview me. Part of me is like, am I going to die? And the other part of me is like, this is an opportunity of a lifetime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, we, we definitely want to balance the danger. And the thing that occurs to me in my future is as I start to have kids, I don't know how I'm going to change in my like, will I want to be surrounded by 15 guys with guns that are pointing at me and Miguel and Keegan in the background? Like, I don't know. I don't know what my tolerance for that kind of stuff will be once I have a child. Yeah, exactly. Mm. But I do want to be live a life with many stories by the time I'm an old man. And so mm-hmm. I think what's take what's guiding us right now is just a constant exploration. Like, uh, oh, did you know this guy's over here and he can get us into this and and then it just like the brainstorm starts and it's a lot it's a really fun job. Yeah, I saw something recently that said your whole goal in life should be to make stories for your grandkids. And I think That's a fact, bro. Like you are going to have some of the coolest shit that you could <laughs> possibly tell someone. So yeah, I think and, you're doing it right. And you have it documented. That's what I'm saying. That's the cool thing. So you they can't to, be like you're full of shit, granddad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, trust me, that's what I'd be thinking about too, like We've done so many videos with iconic, like, celebrities, basketball players, whatever it is. Like, I can't wait to show my kids that shit Mm -hmm. or my grandkids that shit. And I think the underlying message that comes from those stories is just like, look, little one, like, you can become what you want in this world. You could do whatever you want. It's going to take struggle. And it's, you're definitely, there's going to be a lot of times where you embarrass yourself, you look dumb, you lose money, you have a bad day. But like the just you can do it. You just gotta knock in enough doors and they'll open for you. Hundred percent, bro. Hundred percent. Well, shit. We've been talking for a minute. Yep. I think I think it's time to wrap it up. Tommy G. It's been a legendary hour talking with you, bro. Uh, yeah. Hey, big pleasure, guys. Thank you for having me on. And let me just end this by taking a wonderful sip of this goat talk <laughs> fuel. Yep. Goat fuels. Go ahead. I'm I'm an investor in goat fuel, so go go check that out. But this is the Everyone's Different Podcast. I'm Tristan Jass. Young Trench, and also they will be doing a podcast for him as well. So whenever that's out, make sure to check it out. Yeah, that's the Tommy G Show. show. Yes. The Tommy G Show on YouTube and all of our other platforms. You guys will see that. Links will be in description for all of Tommy's social media. Make sure you go follow him on every social media and also check out the Everyone's Different Podcast on all social medias. Links in description. Love you guys. Peace. 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 Hey.